This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org. Welcome to Garnet in Black Unwritten, where we talk everything about USC's student-run magazine, pop culture, and college life. It's not scripted, it's unwritten. I'm Zane Heinlein. Here with Faith Fulmer. Today we will be diving into the writer's strike, what's going on with Drew Barrymore, the art of graffiti, and we will also have our very first special guest, Kaylin Pritchard. Kayla, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role in the magazine. Yeah, so um, as Faith said, I'm Kaylin, and I am the managing editor for Garnet in Black. Awesome. So I guess we should go ahead and delve into our media of the week. Kaylin, do you have any media of the week or do you need some time to think about it? My media of the year is <laughs> um, honestly, um, well, I'm a period piece girly. I'm a mm-hmm. history major. Totally. So I've been watching Outlander nice. um, and I've also been watching Love Island as you do. And that is my guilty pleasure media of the week. So yeah, that's what I've been up to lately. That's amazing. I I love Love Island. I I've not watched all the seasons. Like I've watched some U.S. and U.K. Um, but totally, I even think that we've talked about Love Island on really? the M word before. I watch totally. it so ironically, so very ironically. <laughs> I watch it so unironically. I genuinely love that show. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll go into my media of the week. This is kind of also my media of the year. <laughs> it's um, I thought I would take this chance to talk about Barbie, which came out this summer in July. I think it just went on digital, so I was like, went on digital, or it's now available like on streaming. So I I was like, okay, it's time for me to talk about Barbie. So Barbie, oh my god, if y'all don't stop me, I could probably talk about it for like seven <laughs> hours straight. No, me too. Me it's too. just. It was such a wonderful, beautiful movie that came out this summer. Such a beautiful letter to girlhood, to womanhood, to... It was just so, like, so me. I just loved it so much. I was like, I feel like this movie was made for me. Like, I cried seven times. Like, not seven, maybe two. (laughs) But, but... It was just so amazing. What did you guys think of Barbie? I just want to know. I was really glad to have the opportunity to go see Barbie with um, a couple of my female friends and then also some mm-hmm. of my male friends. And I thought it was really, really sweet that um, my friends who were dudes were willing to go with us and like kind of lean in and listen mm-hmm. to um, how Barbie affected us as women um, and just kind of the female experience. Because I feel like it was a very strong reflection of a lot of the challenges that I faced just in my 20 years as a woman. And um, it, was v- it was very meaningful to go with my female friends and kind of have that shared identity as a woman and then see that reflected on the big screen um, there were there were a lot of tears and mm-hmm. it was a very very good memory so I'm very grateful for Barbie um, kind of taking a lot of those experiences that we have as women and making it more accessible and understandable to everybody yes you took the words right out of my mouth oh my god I I went to go see it twice and I'll probably watch it again. I saw it once with my best friend that we've been best friends since like fifth grade. So it's like such a beautiful moment, like just sitting in the theater with her and like when it got to like the part towards the end where it was like all of the like the like um, like growing up like as a woman and like the girls playing with their dolls and then like the girls on the playground and then like just the just the montage of women like we like held hands and like cried together Uh it was such like a religious experience and then like oh my god and I guess this will go into my other media of the week which is Barbie the album I have not stopped listening to it (laughs) since it came out what's your favorite song off of it (sighs) 
probably probably I don't I I can't really say because I I just love all of all no, of, like fair, all of the songs fair. so much. Well, I'd say my favorites are definitely the Billie Eilish song. Mm-hmm. It it was just so perfect. Like especially for like the very emotional scenes, like especially towards the end like oh my god, like Billie Eilish made me cry. Margot Robbie made me cry. The the creator of Barbie made me cry. Uh, they all made me cry. It was just the perfect combination. How Greta Gerwig knew that would all make me cry, I don't know how, but <laughs> she just she just tapped in and she knew what was, you know, it, it was just perfect. That's all I have to yeah. say. That's yeah. all I have to say. No, and now the movie's like forever solidified in film history. Exactly. Like it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and Ryan Gosling was amazing exactly. as well. The cast was great. It was hilarious yeah. and also heart heart wrenching and heartbreaking totally. and nostalgic and just yeah. like all the words I could possibly say. Like I just want to say it right now. Like I could probably make this a whole segment. Oh, no, we podcast. could have a Barbie episode. Oh my god, it, it would be a little bit late in the game since it came nah. out in July. But since since we weren't you know we weren't recording during the summer, I feel like we just need to like rehash. No, totally. It was totally. a cultural phenomenon. Like the theater, I saw it twice in two days. Like, like, oh my I God. literally like saw it the night it came out by myself. It was like after work, and I was like, oh, "Barbie's out!" Like <laughs> I'm going. The theater I saw, like they turned all. It was like it's kind of like an older timey theater. Like mm-hmm. all their lights, they made all the lights pink. So like you so could like fun. see the pink lights like driving up to the movie theater. Mm. It was super fun. But I That's love how the movie was a celebration of diversity. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just a great movie. I love the soundtrack. I follow Mark Ronson on TikTok, who like produced some of the songs, and it was so cool seeing like all the behind the scenes stuff with like Dua Lipa and like mm-hmm. how they made all the songs come together yeah totally did anyone else do the barbenheimer double feature i didn't i and i have yet to see oppenheimer but it, i'm okay it was I'm also okay very very good really yes yeah. same i'm the same i haven't seen oppenheimer literally i hope i don't get canceled for this but i literally couldn't care less no literally i also <laughs> i agree i agree like yeah. i'll probably watch it if someone's like hey do you want to go watch oppenheimer i'd be like okay sure i'll go but like no one has done that yeah exactly i just love killian murphy he is so slay always mm-hmm. yeah nice Faith, you got any more media? Um, I guess I could go in. I've been a big podcast girly lately, nice. but um, not any like I got nothing you. serious. Like, yeah. I just need something to like fill my ears while I'm like walking around campus. Totally. Um, so I've been listening to the We're All Insane podcast, which is actually I take that back. It is kind of serious. I've been just I've just listened to a couple episodes, but it's oh I forget who it's hosted by, but it's basically like these um, people come on who have like gone through like really like traumatic things or like gotcha. have like had like a really um, like like interesting things like happen in their life like there was one that was like about a girl who was addicted to fentanyl at 16 oh, wow. and I think there's another one um, that was like um, just like people who've gone through really like difficult things in life and like how they've overcome them or are, are currently overcoming mm-hmm. them so it's like really interesting just to get like people's insight on yeah, like of course and like their stories and like what they've been through like usually like you don't come in contact a lot with someone who's been through such difficult things like drug addiction and mm-hmm. stuff like that unless you've been like personally touched with that in your own life um, and then the other podcast I've been listening to is the Just Trish podcast. <laughs> That's so fun. The juxtaposition. What a so, switch up. What a switch up. <laughs> the duality of man. I yeah, know. Yeah. I, I Trisha Paytas has been a guilty pleasure of mine for like the last 10 years of my life. Like she's been with me since the beginning. I know she can get pretty uh, problematic. But I love Frenemies when it was going on like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just like she's just such like a she's such like a phenomenon like she's 
it just an insane person and she's so entertaining for me and I know a lot of people can't stand her one of those being my boyfriend like every time I turn it on he's like can you turn that off <laughs> but in the, in the in the most loving way possible but I yeah that's all <laughs> alright I have a podcast to put yeah. y'all on yeah lay it on us <laughs> yeah 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 so it's brand new I don't know if anybody knows who Matt Bernstein is but he's very active on um, social media especially on Instagram and he comments on especially like um, uh, kind of on all things politics but especially um, kind of how American politics affects him as mm. a queer man and it's called A Bit Fruity with Matt Bernstein and he dives into some really really interesting topics that affect the queer community um um, the most recent episode was about um, uh, queer conservatives and kind of into the mind of a queer conservative. Oh, and he brings some really, really outstanding people onto his show to speak. And he's just, he's such a funny guy, but he, everything he talks about is so well-researched and just so, he's such a well-spoken person. So I highly, highly recommend um, uh, Matt Bernstein. What's the podcast called again? Uh, a bit fruity. A bit fruity with Matt Bernstein. That's so funny because I was just watching that Jub. I think was it like Jubilee or something. That one video that was like it was a like liberal gays versus conservative. Gays. I think I watched it was that. Crazy. Both sides were bad. Like nobody was yeah. saying. Everybody was just saying bad <laughs> stuff. Like the one guy. Like oh, those videos are what wild. Yeah, I. But I would definitely listen to that. Podcast. Sometimes when it's I have nothing cool. else to watch, I'll I'll like click on those just to be like. Okay, what's this? Yeah, like about? what's And then I'll on? get automatically just fed up because I'm like, yeah. I wish I was there and I could say this. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like I have nothing to do with the prompt, but like I just totally. I'm just like, if if only you said this, like it <laughs> wouldn't be crazy. And like people, yeah. they're always the goal of all of those is to like find a middle ground, but mm. they never do. Yeah, mm. They totally. never they never find a, like a true middle ground because people are just. I don't know. And, and anyway, no comment. Well, I already commented, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my media of the week, I just watched Theater Camp on Hulu. It is so funny. Like, I was a theater kid in high school. Like, they captured Same. the energy of theater kids, like, so perfectly. Like, I was crying by the end of the movie because I was like, Aww. this is so realistic. Like, made me made me so nostalgic for my high school theater days. Oh, my God. It was so good. It had Ayo Debris. I'm pretty sure that's how you say her name. From the Bear... Um, I'm gonna go see Bottoms tonight. She's in that movie. <laughs> Very excited for that. Um, theater camp was so good. Like Ben Platt's in it. Um, the one actress, one actress that's in like Shiva Baby, not Rachel Sennett, the one who plays like her. I don't know if you've seen that movie, mm -hmm. but it's like the one girl. Um, such a good movie. It's so funny and it just captures the energy of being a theater kid like to a T. I might have to watch it's it then. Perfect. It's will so I get funny. like will I get like PTSD flashbacks? You might get like a little nervous. Like <laughs> the parts where they're like auditioning and like oh doing the God. casting, I was like I'm like throwing up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> like just the, all the thoughts are flooding back to me when I had to like audition for high school theater shows. Oh my God, totally. Um, oh my God, crazy. we should have a musical theater, not musical. We theater, could or like a theater episode could. talking about. All of our I try to hide my past to people. Like I don't want to like <laughs> open with I'm a theater kid, but I feel like sometimes there's like you'll see as I there is a theater kid to journalism pipeline. It is terrifying and it's real. I think yeah, I totally I, agree with it, that, and I see that just walking literally. around the J school. <laughs> it's I'm like, like these are all theater kids. These like, are literally all theater kids. I was kids at my right internship here. the other day. I was working with this one anchor. Tell me why he was singing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Not like a song, just like we in general. A, like we should have a singing he was podcast like, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like doing little riffs, and I was like, this is insane. I love it. But my artist, my album of the week is Heaven by Cleo Soul. So good. It's like chiller R and B type. Like oh. I just I was listening to the album and I was just like liking every song like on Spotify. So, so good. Great like a chiller kind of like 
if you're looking for something like that, podcast, again, theater kid to journalism pipeline, like, <laughs> up first by NPR. Like, this is just my podcast, like, every day of the, every week. Like, I'm, I'm listening to this on my class, on my way to class in the morning, on the drive. Like, love some news in the morning, up first. I just, I just love you're NPR. You're such a journalist. I'm such a little journalist. And then my book of the week is another journalism <laughs> book, market-driven journalism, because I'm crazy and I ask my professors for extra books to read. You are crazy. <laughs> and this is like because this is, this is my like niche interest in journalism is how the economy like impacts the way that media is produced. That's so interesting. With capitalism because it's, it's crazy intertwined. And like once you like read one book about it, you see it all the time in like TV news and publications. Like the way capitalism and money drives the way that we produce media. Mm-hmm. It's crazy and it's really like scary to think about. But I like reading about it because then it's like once I enter the career field, I'm able to kind of take that knowledge and yeah, try totally. to critique it and like yeah. move it away. But that's like my niche. Like if I was ever to get like a master's in journalism or like go further, if I wanted to like teach, I would totally do research mm. in this kind of like area of, and it's like, I'm not even, I took an economics class, hated the econ class, but I love the way like kind of learning about how different economic structure, structures impact the way we do journalism. Yeah, yeah for sure. Such a crazy, but this is another book. I read two over the summer. Um, this is another one that I got from my professor that's, or read a little bit of it, but it's really good. Yeah, so Kaylin, tell us about the magazine. Tell us about, we, ta- we talked about the theme a little bit last week, but of course you had like a driving factor in determining what the theme was gonna be about. So if you could just explain it a little more, we touched upon it like about Sonder and everyone's individual experiences. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you talk about it more, give us yeah. some examples of what maybe like um, readers can be expecting when our print comes out. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, on so um, the previous semester, so for spring 2023, our theme had to do with like technology and how the world was kind of moving towards um you know every day it feels like Mm -hmm. our world is becoming more digital so for this semester we wanted to kind of take a step back from the um, the realm of the digital and kind of get back to the humanity of um Mm -hmm. of campus and kind of reflect that in the magazine so uh, we started with the idea of Sonder, which is just kind of the uh, the feeling of like, you know, when you're walking across campus, like walking down the street, looking around and having the realization that everybody's life is as complex and diverse as your own. So we were trying to think of a way where we could kind of encapsulate that feeling, but make it a little bit more tangible so that our writers could and our um, visual people could have a little bit more of a, of a foundation to kind of um, brainstorm how they want to explore the feeling of Sonder. So we set Settled on the diversity of self-expression. So what we're doing this semester with the magazine is we're highlighting ways that people in on, like on campus and in the Columbia community express themselves um, as a way of kind of reflecting um, reflecting that Sonder idea because we all express ourselves in some way, whether that's through art or through music or through podcasts or. Um, you know, just being a part of clubs and having people around you in your life that have similar interests to you. So uh, some examples, some things we can be expecting in the magazine this semester. We have a really beautiful piece about hijabi culture and about how, um, like all the the minutiae about how um, uh, the hijab has uh, cultural significance and then also personal significance to the people that wear it and how that kind of manifests um, in self-expression for uh, not just Muslim women, but for anybody who wears a hijab. It's a beautiful piece. Um, and we have a piece coming out as well about like tattoos and how tattoos um, can be a really unique form of self-expression because you're literally wearing like a picture on your body. So just kind of things of that of that nature, just um, 
we have some beautiful style shoots coming out as well that um, have some really, really gorgeous interpretations, like visual interpretations of uh, things such as um, like fashion cores and exploring just kind of the the, the realm of fashion in a lot of different ways, um, the pros and the cons, because um, being a part of a you know fashion core can simultaneously kind of give you a sense of style, maybe help you find a community of people who are like-minded to you, but it can also cause you to kind of lose your personal sense of style because you're so wrapped up in trying to kind of emulate this aesthetic that you want people to kind of recognize you as emulating. So, um, and then also diving into the world of fast fashion and how um, it can be very exploitative of people who want to, um, want to, you know, embody a certain aesthetic. So just kind of things of that nature and then taking it a step further also and not just talking about how people express themselves, but the significance of the ways that people present themselves and express themselves and how that has an impact on the greater community. Yeah, that's amazing. I actually really loved what you said about the personal aesthetics. I feel like that's been such a big thing recently like mm-hmm. everyone kind of honing in on this like really specific aesthetic whether it be for, like stemming from like tiktok or other like i don't know like i feel like that's been like a very big thing recently is like what aesthetic like what's your aesthetic or like a very significant i don't know does that make sense like mm-hmm. you guys yeah, feel that totally. way at all or something like mm-hmm. like that like indie aesthetic or like i don't know you get i don't know that kind of thing but i think it's really interesting especially going to like a bigger school like what there's like thirty thousand something kids that go to usc i think really focusing on those awesome impacts of how you're able to find community when you're surrounded by millions of people who are all exponentially different from you. Yeah, totally. I I definitely agree with you. I think the I think the um, the examining of those core like fashion aesthetics. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool idea, and also to like seeing what they have in common with each other and also why they're even a thing in the first place. Because I I think there was a point in like history not history but like in the past where like everyone kind of dressed very similar um i mean there were like those groups outside of like what was popular like the goths in like mm-hmm. the the 80s was it is that around when goth became a yeah, thing yeah the like trad goth movement yeah trad goth yeah. um and i mean there's always people that like push against the grain totally but i feel like that's almost become like just the norm now especially with like the around 2020 when like the whole like e-girl or e-boy thing oh, became gosh. popular yeah. totally like i feel like it's just you know it's less of a thing now to be so different and i think that's really awesome because yeah. i mean even if we can still like make fun of them and <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> totally. i think it's like it's really cool i think like i look at someone that is like dressed differently than me and i i don't even like question it like and i i mm. even feel more bold now to like kind of wear whatever the heck i want me too yeah, like totally. like i i but i've also realized that like i feel like i don't need to dress a particular particular way all the time because yeah, like i exactly. definitely felt the pressure like back in like middle and high school to like i need to dress like this and i just need to stay that way totally. um, especially with the whole like well, before TikTok, there was Tumblr. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always been Tumblr. And, like, I'd see people be like, this is the pastel goth aesthetic. <laughs> this the is pastel goth. <laughs> I swear, so they, they just be making stuff up. We all, we, all, like, we all shopped at Hot Topic in middle school. Yes. 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 I mean, I still shop at Hot Topic. No, real. against it. I, li- I, I literally, like there. yeah, at Hot Topic, I think I bought three things last time I went yes. in there. I think I got, yes. like, I got, like, yes. uh, these Sanrio socks. And then yes. I also got, I got, like, a... Oh my god, what else oh, did I funny. get? It's so funny. I was with my friend and she got like this um 
like Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, <laughs> oh my god, the well, that movie's coming out. Oh yeah, my god, yes. I'm so Josh sorry. Hutcherson, excuse me. Oh my god, we're, we're gonna have to mm. we're gonna have to delve yeah. into Five Nights sorry, at yeah, Freddy's so at one point. I so mentioned that at the last podcast. Right, the last there's so much good media too. coming out recently. I know. Like, really? And there, and it's like, oh my god, like, and we got the One Piece movie. It's such a great time to be a little nerdy. Like, and I literally don't care too. I mean, that goes into the same. No, I don't care. Same thing. I don't care about people making fun of my interests anymore. Like, I will go up to someone and I'll I'll be like, life is too short. To Life be worried is too short. about it's what like, people think about your interests. I know. Literally. I know. I know. Being cool is uncool. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. Literally. I forgot what was the whole point I was going into about. Oh, it's just like you can wear no, whatever you want exactly. anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Self-expression is not limited to what's cool totally. and what's uncool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Kaylin, what are you most looking forward to going into the going into this semester with the magazine? Um, I'm really looking forward to, so um, one thing that we're being very, very intentional about is trying to create a larger overlap between the work that the visual team does and the work that the articles do. Gotcha. So in, in, in the past, um, it's been a little bit separated to where articles kind of work on their, like what they're writing and then visuals will work on their photo story or their style shoot. So what we're trying to do this semester and this year more broadly is create a much larger overlap between the visual and the written. So you can expect with this magazine that's going to be coming out um, in just a couple of weeks, um, you can expect to see a lot less of like just a wall of words and a lot more integration between the visual and the written. Nice. So I'm personally very excited about that because I feel like it's going to make the magazine more cohesive. I think it's going to make it more fun to read personally, and I'm really, really excited to see how it all comes together. But that's something that we're being very, very intentional about, and I'm very excited to see how that creates um, kind of the finished product. Nice. And how how excited are you to be managing editor? For I this am year? so I, I I feel I feel so lucky, and I just because I started at Garnet and Black um, my freshman year as a staff writer, and I just I I, I really kind of leaned in and learned everything that I could about how the magazine runs because I had never worked in anything mm-hmm. um, kind of resembling journalism before. So um, I feel uh, it, it's a little bit it's it's. Sometimes I feel a little bit imposter syndrome. It, but it's so don't yeah, it's so easy to feel yeah. like that. Yeah, girl, me too. No, literally, like, <laughs> yeah. But it, it it's been so much fun, and my team that I work with is just so um, supportive and so nice. knowledgeable. So I feel so lucky to have the opportunity to um, kind of hone my craft and become a better. Um, a, a better writer, a better editor, but then also work with a team of really, really talented creatives mm-hmm. to put out a really fantastic product. I'm supremely excited for what is going to be um, kind of produced uh, throughout this entire year. Yeah, definitely. Um, could you just go into a little bit more detail now about what is your role as a managing editor and also like how you interact with the other um, staff members and, you know, how your role affects their role and like things like that? Sure. So um, as managing editor I oversee articles and copy desks so basically anything that has to do with writing I oversee all of that um, I answer to the editor-in-chief who is in charge of the entire magazine um, Huey Penaflor and she is just yeah no she is <laughs> just a- a- absolutely fantastic and um, just so so wonderful to work with mm-hmm. um, I also work with uh, Lexi Croft the creative director and um, Morgan Pickney the uh, engagement director so it's kind of the four of us earn management overseeing the magazine and and um, 
It kind of more day to day. I work directly with the articles editors. Um, there's three articles editors for our three sections. We have a feature section which focuses more on like long form, maybe more nuanced pieces that um, usually end up being a little bit longer, just in word count and dive into um, like more complex issues going on in the Columbia community. Um, we have the happening section which focuses on um, it's a little bit more news based. Mm -hmm. So the um, things that are happening like currently on campus, like events. And then um, our happening team is really, really good about taking those events and then using those as a springboard to write a more nuanced article. Um, for example, if there's you know a drag show happening on campus, they can take and take that event and write about it and like what's gonna be happening at the event or what happened at the event if it's already happened, mm -hmm. but then start talking more about um, just kind of maybe drag culture and how that kind of plays out on um, on the USC campus. And then we have lifestyle, which is um, exactly what it sounds like. It's lifestyle. So um, the writers, the staff writers will um, go out into the community and interview people and write these articles. And then once they're finished, um, they're looked over by their respective articles editor. And I am involved in that every step of the process. I always know what's being worked on. Um, I always know what's in editing. And um, then after it's been through a couple rounds of edits, Copy Desk will take a look at it and make sure that everything is um, stylistically good. And then I read over everything before it is before it goes into print or before it's uploaded onto the website. Um, I get. Uh, a very, very large say along with Way, of course, as editor-in-chief, mm -hmm. about what written pieces are going to be going into print. Mm -hmm. So um, that's very exciting because it's, it's really cool to be able to take these really, really fantastic articles that our writers have written and um, kind of piece them together and sequence them together in the print magazine in a way that's cohesive and interesting. So um, from an artistic standpoint, I really, really appreciate and enjoy that part of the job. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of what a day in the life looks like as managing editor, kind of who I oversee and then who I answer to. Awesome. That's that's great. I, it's always interesting to find out, like, I know, like, who people are and, like, what they do, like, in the in the magazine, but it's always interesting to be, like, okay, you're the one that does this and you're the one that does this. Because, totally. like, cause, like, I know what we're, we're doing, I know what we're producing, but, like, it's always interesting to, like, know exactly what the process is like. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Definitely. So, um, did you want to go into an article that is being put into print um, in a couple of weeks? I... Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one thing that we, th um, so Huey brought this up to me over the summer and kind of when we started talking theme and I was like, that is just such a cool idea. So mm -hmm. a lot of people that are on USC's campus now don't know about this because it's a, it's been defunct for a hot minute now, but um, some of the seniors might know, but a couple of, of years ago, the tunnel that goes underneath Assembly Street mm. was, um, they called it the art tunnel yeah. because the whole thing was just pimped out with um, like graffiti art and graffiti mm -hmm. messages. And mm -hmm. it was really, really beautiful. I've seen, um, I've never seen it personally, my, personally myself, this is only my second year um, on campus, but um, I've seen photos and it is just a kaleidoscope of of stuff, especially when like the light would shine in and hit it. It was absolutely gorgeous. But anyways, mm -hmm. it's been um, uh, it's now like you're completely not allowed. It's illegal to do art in that tunnel. And if mm -hmm. you go in there now, it's been completely painted over. There's yeah. nothing in there except ironically, if you walk in, there's um, every now and then there's little Sharpie inscriptions that people have written to say, let us paint. Mm 
Anyways, oh, so what we're doing is we're kind of delving in to the question that has kind of been circulating around like people like banning graffiti is whether graffiti is considered art. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a piece in the print magazine. I'm actually writing it nice. um, awesome. about whether graffiti is considered art. It's more of a think piece. Gotcha. Um, it was hard to find people to interview because it's been gone for so long mm-hmm. that so few people on campus actually remember it ever being there. But we really just wanted to kind of use this as an opportunity to talk about whether graffiti should be considered art. So nice. yeah. What's the consensus? What do you think? So personally? it's very unclear, um, just kind of across the board. Totally. Um, the stance that I'm kind of taking with what I'm writing, I mean, you can't get around the fact gra- graffiti is vandalism. Like it, it, it is. It's mm-hmm. just it, it, that's not a matter of my yeah, like opinion. Point, I guess that's just kind of like yeah, object- yeah. Like objectively, you're just it, it is vandalism. Totally. However, I think absolutely that it is art because art is anything in my opinion that elicits some kind of emotional reaction something that because I mean we were born to create like that's what Mm -hmm. we do as people like we create and art is you know completely subjective but you know it when when you walk through that tunnel and you would see like a, a beautiful like um like really well planned out like shaded like graffiti um like piece of like visual art like it was really really fantastic and you would stop and look at it and you know like feel appreciation for the artist that created it and um also uh something that i really appreciate also about graffiti is um for every piece of art that was in the tunnel you would have three or four like um people had just taken the spray can and like written something Mm. um and it usually had to do with something um like social justice related or human rights related and um i i really think that that's something that's very important about the graffiti community is how it can be a really powerful tool for social change and um I just I I think that especially as uh, like student creatives having that place on campus to um, kind of a a, a place that's um, designated to be an outlet for graffiti Mm -hmm. and for that particular art form and everything that it can bring. I feel like that was really, really important. And a lot of students agreed, um, I mean, as as evidenced by the fact that you go into the tunnel and people have, um, you know, written in there that they absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. So while graffiti is vandalism, regardless of whether I think it is or not, Mm -hmm. it legally is, I don't think that devalidates it or unvalidates it at all as being a really, really important art form, especially in the modern day. Yeah. Totally, yeah, 100% agree. Definitely. I Like you said, I think there's something really, really powerful about you know going into somewhere like the art tunnel or just places that people have put graffiti and be like, oh, so like people came together and totally. they, they decorated. <laughs> they decorated this. <laughs> and I mean, there is some really, really, really tasteful graffiti out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't understand why it's like not as equally valuable as like a mural. And I think graffiti is so cool for like like stylistically. Yeah, mm-hmm. And there's they there's a very unique vibe to a lot of graffiti, um, which I think is really cool and it can really bring a lot of character to like a city or um, like anywhere, like yeah, see any, at, any train car, in any Columbia train car, any city, it. any <laughs> back alley or whatever. Like I think it's, I think it's really, really cool. I mean, I I understand why graffiti is considered vandalism, but mm-hmm. I think there should be spaces built for it. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a different conversation if students were going around and like you know spray painting like you know the wall outside of Gambrell or something. Yeah, that totally. would that would be completely different. But I feel like it was really important and very like very beneficial to have that designated space for graffiti Mm -hmm. um, because it's something that's very hard to recreate anywhere that isn't like a public structure Mm -hmm. Um, that that, that, that's part of the like that's part of the art form Mm 
Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I think I feel like there's the the harm, if there is any, of having that space for graffiti is very, very heavily outweighed by the benefit and the benefit of having that space. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my my official stance on it. Totally. Um, I'm not going to go encourage anybody to go get in trouble or get fined, but you know, I. I definitely think that it's very important to have that space. Yeah, I love public art. Like, can't, can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Nice. Yeah, and also graffiti is like a bonding experience. Like, yes. in, in the Spider-Verse movie. In the yes. Spider-Verse movie. <laughs> <laughs> when Miles and his uncle would go do graffiti together. Mm-hmm. Or it was it graffiti? Or like, they were just making like public art. Like, yeah, that's literally all it was. That's literally yeah. all graffiti no, is. I, like in the unless pop. you're like, unless you're like putting like like slurs. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I feel like in That's the past, a different like, conversation. Like, yeah. like at least like street artists in New York used mm-hmm. graffiti as ways for to for so yeah for like social change for mm-hmm. bringing issues like what is it like a Keith Haring like Basquiat mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah. artists like that who have used their art as motives to bring like as kind of like a guerrilla art attack approach to it. You're just kind of like taking areas that maybe don't have any art on them and then I don't know where I'm going with this mm-hmm, but yeah. you understand the kind of like like that kind of like forcing people to look at it because it's on public area oh no you know what you say yeah yeah especially um the 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 art market for like se- creating and selling art it's so oversaturated totally. it could be really really hard to break into the art industry as mm-hmm. a visual artist so having that platform that you don't have to go through, you know, a curator. You don't have to go through people in order for your art to be seen. If you have a message that you want to share, you, you know, you can go right outside your door and that can be your canvas. Like, I feel like there's something very powerful about being able to just display your art without having to get it approved by anybody um, before anybody can see it. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay, finally, the last thing that we're going to touch on today is I wanted to go, I wanted to dive into the writer's strike um, because it's definitely um, something that is very topical at the moment. It's been going on for a couple of months, but there has been a recent update. So recently some daytime talk shows have been wanting to um, start taping for the show again, which goes against the strike. Um, If you guys aren't familiar with the strike, which I don't know how you aren't, (laughs) no offense, but um, I mean, I even had to do a little bit of research today just to be like, make sure exactly like, I got most of this info from today. There was a, an article about like a rundown on what's going on with the strike. So the Writers Guild of America, and the SAG after, which I believe the Writers Guild of America is like the writers, and then SAG after is like are like the actors that are going on strike. Um, there, it's representing over eleven thousand film, television, news, radio, and online writers. So the strike started in May, and they've been on strike ever since. Um, basically, they're asking for higher pay and a stable pay structure, also fairer, fairer deals and contracts, and also they included provisions about AI, which I thought was interesting because. I mean, I think ChatGPT is a really powerful thing, um, but there's no way that it can, like, take over the jobs of actual writers. Because exactly. there's always that human element that totally. is absent. And I feel like that's what people, that's, like, the scary part is, like, we need people to still care about the human, mm-hmm. the, the people behind making your mm-hmm. favorite movies and all of that. Exactly. If, lose, if people forget about that, then it's going to be so much easier for AI or somebody to replace jobs. Like, we need the people to... Like value that human element more than anything. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the amount of, um, you know, I I, I can't imagine um, a world where 
uh, like movies and TV are written by AI. Just like scary, like get, like send chills on my spine. Like we're all writers. Like mm-hmm. I want to be a writer. Like this directly impacts. Yeah. This directly impacts us. It's a lot of a lot crazy. Of like, um, yeah. And like another thing about that is AI. It can't come up with new ideas. Exactly. Like, everything it just recycles. It's totally. just recycle. Like which is you know it's a lot of what is going on in Hollywood right now a lot Mm -hmm. of reboots a lot of um, rebrands a lot of you know recycling the same ideas over and over which is not a bad thing I'd say I'm definitely always one for like nostalgia I think nostalgia is a super powerful thing and that's that's a part of why I loved Barbie so much but new ideas are a new twist are also like super powerful Mm. I, I think the combination of the two the you know I think that is that is that is how you make a successful piece of media in my opinion so if ai takes over all of the writers jobs which i don't think that it will but there's always the threat no, or the looming that, idea that, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, i think we're definitely going to see a rise um we already have started to see a rise in the indie film industry mm-hmm. just because it's uh, you know as the internet becomes more widely accessible more people can create a movie which is exactly. wonderful because then more movies can be seen and um mm-hmm. you don't have to much like with the art uh, art conversation you don't have to wait for a producer to green light your script you can just make a movie and so i think definitely Definitely, we're going to see, especially that pro- that process is going to be really expedited if more like Hollywood films start being written by AI. I think there's definitely going to be a huge uptick in the indie industry because there's going to be more people. I mean, we're not the only ones who value, you know, the the, the human fingerprints on mm-hmm. writing and on exactly. art. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who really want to pour into ind- independent artists and creators instead of um, pouring into these mass-produced AI-written movies. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It is, I feel like don't this could be misquoted, but didn't like A24 adjust the way that they're doing production so they could still do movies? I want to say it was like something like like such a small like writers i need to figure this out because i feel like because you everyone you guys are familiar with like a24 yeah right? yeah, yeah. like all of that yeah like a24 is still able to make movies because i think they adapted the way they make they pay their people and mm-hmm. the way they change production to allow for it so it's like if such a smaller like indie film kind of place like a24 can mm-hmm. do it like why aren't these bigger companies you know yeah exactly exactly um so initially i think when the strike started in may we saw this effect immediately the mm-hmm. those shows that air live every week i think saturday night live was about to start mm-hmm. up again with gotcha. the new season and they have been off the air yeah. um the tonight show and more i think a lot of those like late night talk shows talk show guys i think um they're they're doing a really good thing right now where even though they're not live every every night anymore or not every night are they on every night every week at least yeah um they're they all have like a podcast together mm. and all of the proceeds gotcha. are going to their crew and the writers oh, and those nice, those nice. of them are that are on yeah. strike which is really awesome mm-hmm. jimmy fallon's like in his own have you seen that one <laughs> clip oh my gosh i think this is jimmy fallon jimmy fallon had this like one guy on his show and the guy's like the interviewee is like I forget who it is he's de- he was definitely some like famous actor uh-huh. I think it was a Jimmy Fallon show but like the, the interviewee <laughs> is like are you paying your writers enough like he like puts them on the spot and Jimmy's like, like he's like oh what and he like deflects <laughs> oh, it's crazy. crazy I think it was Jimmy Fallon again could be horribly misquoting that <laughs> but it was one of those like later talk yeah, show guys yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing a really good thing um, and then 
So apparently, I got this from the, the Today article. The gotcha. median weekly writer producer pay has declined when you adjust for inflation has declined. 23% over the last decade. That's insane. Mm. I know. It, it is insane. They're literally the people that are making, not like they're writing, they're coming up with all the ideas of mm. like all the stuff that we watch, yeah. all the things that we interact with online. Like yeah. it's crazy. Like pay these people. <gasps> pay them. <Real>. It was <laughs> even scary because I was like, like I'm only a junior, but like I'm a freak and I like to look at job up, like job openings. And yeah, a lot of them, same, and it's cr- it's like so wild to like you're looking at a job application, you literally see it's like oh like this position is represented by like the Writers Guild or something. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my gosh, like the like it's so important that we're caring about this now and knowing about what's happening because yeah, who definitely. knows when the strike is going to end and this could be very well affecting mm-hmm. how we perceive our careers going forward. Definitely, you know? yeah. Just being being a person totally. that interacts with media and yeah, makes exactly. media. I mean, this affects everyone. Yeah. A lot of people are putting blame on streaming services like mm. Netflix for changing the business model completely. So in the cable era, which we still have cable, totally. but when cable was you know how Just we the dominant the yeah. dominant form of you know watching TV and movies and stuff like that. Shows ran for seasons upon seasons, and writers were paid for every single rerun, mm. which is gotcha. as they should. Um, on streaming services, writers Writers are not paid every time a show is streamed. Mm-hmm. So when you when you watch like Stranger Things or Wednesday or whatever, like every time you watch it, those proceeds are not going towards the writers that that yeah. made the show that wrote the show that you're watching, mm-hmm. which I think is crazy. Um, I could not be getting that completely accurate, but that's that's what I read in that Today no, article. Totally, totally. <laughs> totally. Okay, um, yeah, take everything what we say with a grain of salt, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, and shows are shorter and renewed with less consistency. Mm-hmm. So that is, I, I think there was one quote in an article that I read that was like, um, the last job that this person had was a four-week job. Mm. Which yeah, is, a lot of them were like... They yeah. have to scramble for a new job like every uh-huh. month or so, which is crazy. I couldn't imagine the stress that... Totally. That that especially when you're not being paid not being paid as much Mm -hmm. Um, which is so sad because it's like writing is like these these people's like it's their passion yeah Yeah. and and like you can't have a movie without a script yeah you You can't can't have have a movie you can't have a tv show without a script you can't have a you can't have a a late night talk show without yeah, some exactly. sort of outline totally. or, or someone thinking of the segments mm-hmm. like they can't just make it up every episode yeah. um and because of this a lot of our favorite shows like stranger things and abbott elementary these were the two main examples gotcha. i saw because abbott elementary was actually supposed to start back up production for season three like a couple months ago and oh, because wow. of the writer's strike like it's yeah. been radio silence. No, totally. Um, they had to stop pr- production because there are no writers in the writer room, yeah. in the writers room, and also a lot of non-writer crew members have joined the strike as well, and also actors. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. they're part of the SAG. It's awesome strike. seeing like videos of like Margot Robbie mm-hmm. or like real or like people from like Parks and Rec or The mm-hmm. Office, like seeing yeah. these really like actors from these very prominent TV shows yeah, that definitely. have these cult followings, like voicing their opinions and being supporting mm-hmm. of the strike, because it gets the average person to be like, yes, maybe I should be paying attention to this. Yeah, totally, and. It's just crazy to me that there are people out there in the first place that are against this. Yeah. Because like I think I was on like Chris Pratt's Instagram. Don't ask me why. I'm oh, not Chris like a Pratt. I'm not like a Chris Pratt fan or anything <laughs> like that. I was just looking because yeah. there's some people talking on like Reddit or something and I was mm-hmm. like, let me go check this out for myself. And I went to he posted something that was like all the parks and rec people mm-hmm. like at like yeah. striking and he was like, I wish I could be there today or whatever. I was like, Okay, go you Chris Pratt. Like you've done some controversial things, but like, you know, yeah, go yeah. you for supporting the strike totally. and like there are people in the comments that are like are you a communist now it's like what i'm like what, what? 
this is oh. it's such an insane right, jump. to be able to go on strike and be able to protest like yeah. are people should people not have living wages like mm-hmm. it's crazy crazy to me um the the strike funny it's like it has such crazy trickle down effects like I know. it's affecting the it affects the youtube videos i watch mm-hmm. like so like one of my favorite youtube channels it's called like dead meat they do like mm-hmm. they do like kill counts of horror movies right uh-huh. yeah like i love that kind of i love those videos but uh-huh. they've stopped like they're they've become really like strike conscious so it's like before like they've stopped covering like big blockbuster movies or movies yeah. like that are represented that are affecting these writer strikes mm-hmm. so now they're like change t- totally changing the way that they do like yeah. approach yeah, like same. content production same. so they're like like now they're covering like video games and they're like mm-hmm. or like really or like niche like online things like, mm-hmm. like getting giving those like indie voices or like like recently they did an episode like don't hug me i'm scared like, oh my gosh flashbacks it's, like, it's also getting people to but it's crazy yeah, like, and, like another youtuber i watch content? like he's he has a he, he does like a little like like a statement before the video like talking about the strike and like wh- why they're changing the way mm-hmm. that this one youtuber like it's totally changing every aspect of media production because yeah, it's just totally because everybody is in support of it it's every like <sighs> yeah totally yeah same <laughs> for me there's a youtuber that i watch called i think it's called like your internet mom ash she does like uh movie commentaries and okay, stuff yeah, like that totally. and she she had to like get in contact with the people that are like yeah, that are exactly. like you know in charge of not in charge of the strike but like and she had to get in contact with them and be like, what can I watch? Yeah, like, what can I do what to What can I do? And she's, support? like, had to change up her mm-hmm. content, like, um, like talking about movies, but, like, yeah, not exactly. reacting. Yes. Um, but I think it's really awesome even seeing, like, just, like, like just YouTube creators being, like, no, like, we, this is a, this is how we, we make our money talking about mm-hmm. movies. We are going to stay on your side regardless. Like, we are going to make sure that we are supporting the writers who mm-hmm. make the movies that we talk about on our YouTube channels. Like, totally. I just, it's really nice seeing that. I think even yeah. on those smaller things, again, like, just watching you, you click on a YouTube video and they're talking about it like it's just that awareness i think is super important yeah and i i think i was either watching like a curtis connor video i or love, curtis, I love connor. curtis connor and yeah. it was either him oh, or it was like danny or it was like drew you know they're all the same no, i'm just, yeah. kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> kidding they're not all the same but i couldn't remember which one was talking about the strike yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh and they were like saying like a lot of people on like twitter i mean x <laughs> on twitter <laughs> they were like twitter. like the people i was like they were trying to figure out like why are people against the strike like why are yeah. like and i think it's because a lot of people just lump in like hollywood as like this all big one thing but it's kind of like monstrous no being, i mean you know there's and 40 years ago yes but no, yeah no longer i mean where there's rich people there's always going to be you know totally writers Greed, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. that are that are contributing to that person's richness you mm-hmm. know what yeah, i'm saying yeah, yeah. and there's always a always a little man like yeah, you know totally. and it's just unfortunate because it's like i don't know that's all i oh, have to say yeah. so speaking <laughs> um, of that what's going on with drew barrymore okay so okay? drew barrymore like i said originally um she a lot some daytime talk shows mm-hmm. i think it's her the talk or talk or I forget what it's called but it's mainly her that has gone into a bit of hot water recently because they were going to start taping back for the show without writers mm. she said we're not replacing their writers we're just we're just going to do the show without writers which is crazy and it's <laughs> sad because like it's, it's Drew Barrymore yeah, like, it's she's, Drew Barrymore. she's 
like my all-time favorite celebrity. Like she's like she's America's the, sweetheart. Literally, and she's been in movies her whole life. Like so, it's really interesting that she kind of took this approach. But mm-hmm. yeah, but she did like an apology video. Yeah, right? she like, did an apology yeah. video that has since um, been taken down. Oh really? Yeah, I, I tried to watch it and deeply. I couldn't really find it anywhere. I thought it was just on her Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but she received a lot of criticism too because she bowed out of hosting the MTV Movie and TV Awards in solidarity with the strike. So it's like, why are you like being a hypocrite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like. Like oh, you need. She's like, like there's uh, a lot of the motive here. Yeah, she's like, there's a lot of like nuance and you know things that, you ha- but like it's just like it it goes against the strike. Like if you're doing something against the strike, then you're not with the strike. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. that's how it works. With us or against us? Yeah. So I think th- I think there's like a whole conversation that we could go yeah. into about like why are celebrities this way? Why are they totally. so like tone deaf <laughs> oh, sometimes? Course. But I think we're gonna have to wrap it up for today. Yeah. Like I could keep going on totally. about and we and we will be talking about this. The yeah, strike's we will. not coming to we, yeah, we for all we know the strike's not this. coming to an end soon. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so we'll, thank you guys so much for listening today. Thank you, Kaylin, yeah, for you, coming Kaylin. on. Yes, thank you for having me. Like we'll have you on again. Yeah. Like and we'll catch y'all next week. You're yeah yeah. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. See ya. <laughs>